Galatians chapter 2. That's where we're going to be today. Now, in Galatians chapter 2, um, again, like I said, we're going to look at a, a, an interaction that, that takes place. But remember where we are at contextually. Like, what is happening um, in the, the book of Galatians thus far? We, we talked about how uh, Paul, he, he um, uh, starts out explaining who he is, and it says that he's uh, uh, saying that, that he's astonished that this, the gospel in which he proclaimed to uh, this, these churches in Galatia, that they're uh, turning to another, and then he says, well, there's really not another, but it's a false gospel. And then he goes into telling um, a little bit about uh, his background. We talked about who the Apostle Paul was, how he was Saul of Tarsus, how God met him, Jesus met him uh, on the road to Damascus, and his life was changed. And he went from being a uh, persecutor of, of the church, killing Christians, to proclaiming the gospel and, and to be the, the, the biggest uh, proponent of uh, the church. So, major turnaround here, and, and through this, we have seen a, a few different times where it has um, a little bit of interaction with some of the other apostles. He says that I didn't get my message from the other apostles, but I did go visit them. Um, last week we, we looked at, or I'm sorry, two weeks ago we looked at uh, verse uh, you know, 18 through 24 where it says that he went and he stayed with, with Cephas, Peter, for 15 days. Uh, and last week we, we talked about how um, there was some more interaction, but when he went into to Jerusalem, he, he noticed and he understood that uh, Peter, James, and, and, and John were the, the pillars of, of the church there. Uh, he, so what we have done over the past couple weeks is talked a little bit about the interaction in which Paul has had with Peter. And the reason I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that is because out of, out of the, the apostles, I think that they... That, 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 um, Peter and Paul had a, a, a bond amongst them. And, and this is important. I'll, I'll say a bridge. You guys hear me talk about bridge building all the time. There was a bridge that went between uh, Peter and, or Paul and Peter. Are we having technical difficulty again? Maybe we just need to scrap that thing and get a new one. Um, let's go to Best Buy, right? No, don't ever go to Best Buy. I hate that place. Anywho, uh, a bunch of people don't know what they're talking about, so... If I offended you, it is what it is. So what we have, because we have a good, we, we have a good bridge here, I can say what I want, right? And you won't get mad at me? Right. <laughs> right. What we have and what we're looking at here is in Galatians, uh, uh, Paul ha has explained a little bit about the bridge in which, which he has with Peter. And this is going to be important because something very, um, very big is going to take place here. And when I say something very big, I, I want to say uh, big in, in, in magnitude and implication is going to take place uh, here in, in, in this text. So let's look at verses uh, 11 through 14. And that's all we're going to look at today is those, those few verses there. Verse 11, it says, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. So right out the gate here, we see that the, the, the thing that took place is an opposition to Cephas. Cephas is Peter here. So it says that um, Cephas came to Antioch. Uh, remember, if you will, some of you will, some of you won't, maybe this is new, um, that Antioch is kind of like the hub. It's like the central point uh, where Paul went out from his uh, mission, or for his missionary journeys. Uh, the, it was as if that, that was like his sending church. That was Paul's 
home church there in Antioch. And it says that Cephas came to Antioch. Now, when he came to Antioch, we don't know. I mean, there's speculation if it was at this time or if it was that time. We don't know exactly when Peter was at Antioch. What we know, though, are the events that took place while Peter was at Antioch. He was in Antioch. It says that, that Paul opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Now, I don't know about you, but when, um, when somebody is um, opposing me to my face, I don't like it. Anybody like that opposition? No? Okay. okay. I don't think that that is, is, is a human quality that, that most people desire. I want to be opposed to my face wherever I go. No, most of, most of y'all run when opposition happens. Don't be looking around, pointing, or just look at yourself and think, yep, sometimes that's what, what I do. We'll talk in a minute about that. <clears throat> Verse 12, For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So what is going on here is Peter was in Antioch for a, 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 an amount of time. It doesn't say exactly how long he was in Antioch. Another important fact that we have to understand about Antioch, Antioch, Antioch was primarily, uh, the church in Antioch was primarily comprised of Gentiles. There were some Jews, but it was primarily comprised of Gentiles. There's a lot of Gentiles there in Antioch. So it says here that um, when, when Peter was there, he was there for a time, and then certain men of the circumcision party, uh, the, the, the circumcision party, the, 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 the uh, Jews, the, the, the circumcision, circumcision is a sign, remember we've already talked about that, the sign of uh, the, the Jewish people. And so he's saying when certain men that came from James, remember James is a pillar of the church in Jerusalem, um, so we have some uh, of the circumcision party that came from James. So that, re- that, that rules out that these, uh, these Jews that came were Judaizers. Because remember, the Judaizers were the ones that were, all the, the, that were forcing the legalism down the, the throat. So these are not the Judaizers. These are um, Jewish Christians that have come from Jerusalem. And, and it says down here. I think it does say down, right? Came, or, uh, no, this, this translation does, doesn't. But sometimes it says down. But they actually went up to, to Antioch geographically. Um, and, and when they came, it says that, that what... Peter was doing, he stopped doing, he separated himself from the Gentiles and started hanging out with the, the, the Jews, the Jewish Christians here. Now, when we look at this, it says that he was fearing the circumcision party. But it, we, we can go on to say that it didn't just affect him. It says, and the rest of the Jews, along with Barnabas, it said, um, acted hypocritically. And this, in verse 14, But when I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, he said to Peter, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? 
So what was going on was when Peter was with these, these Gentile Christians, having uh, dinner with them, having fellowship with them. And it's not like what we think. When we think of having dinner with someone, we think of, hey, you want to go out to B-dubs? Yeah, I'll go out to B-dubs with you. Hey, you want to go out to Texas Roadhouse or whatever? Having dinner with someone in this culture, it, it, it's, a, it, it's, a, it's an event. It's not just a, I'm going to show up and have some food. So it's identifying with the, 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 the crowd in which um, you are, are, are partaking of food. This is why it was so uh, um, ghastly when Jesus had dinner with sinners and tax collectors. Oh my goodness, he's identifying with them. So what's going on here is Peter has been eating with these Gentile Christians. We look at that and like, okay, what's, what's wrong with that? There is nothing wrong with that. And that's what, when Paul comes in, because what happens is Peter, when the, when the Jews come in, Peter starts to like start easing away from the Gentile Christians. It says here that he um, drew back and separated himself. Uh, our, our English language doesn't really give, it, 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 it uh, doesn't explain that real well. We would think he drew back, okay, he drew back and he separated. It's, it's something that it's um, indicative of taking place over a little bit of time. So it was like he started to ease away, like, okay, well, these Jews are here. I'm going to start to separate myself, so I don't want to be, I don't want everybody to see what I'm doing, just kind of ease, and maybe they, they won't know that I'm gone. But nonetheless, what he's doing, he's separating himself from the, the, the Gentile believers. So there, what we have then in Antioch is we have Gentile believers and Jewish believers who aren't fellowshipping with one another. And this is what Paul is saying. He, he comes here and he, he, he looks at, uh, at Peter and he's saying, you're a hypocrite. What you're doing is you're saying that there are certain classes of Christians there are these Gentile Christians and there are these Jewish Christians. How in the world can you proclaim a gospel that is for all, it's by God's grace alone, but then you're going to separate people? This is what, this is what, what, what Paul was saying to, to Peter here when he, when he makes this statement. And so what we see here is the first thing I really want to look at is hypocrisy. Now, when I say hypocrisy, especially in church... If I were to say that there are hypocrites in church, um, people outside of the church would be like, yep, that's why I'm not there. Because there's hypocrites in church. You're absolutely right. There are hypocrites in church. You've heard me say it though as well. There are hypocrites at Walmart. There are hypocrites at Texas Roadhouse. There are hypocrites wherever. There are hypocrites everywhere. There are people that are not acting according to their beliefs. And that's what's taking place here. Paul is telling um, a Peter that, you know what? You are getting caught in and are acting um, the, the same way as the Judaizers that are, that are forcing legalism, forcing circumcision. That's why Paul brought this up, because uh, uh, hypocrisy is a form of legalism. Because you're setting a standard for one person that you're not keeping yourself, or you're setting a standard for them that you don't set for these. And you're making divisions here. So what we have to, to see here is when, when, when Peter is being confronted here, he's guilty, he's guilty of hypocrisy because while he was confessing and teaching one thing, that we are one in Christ, right? 
with the Gentiles, he was denying it by his actions. So just kind of just think about that. I mean, maybe you've read this text a hundred times, and you're like, I didn't really see that. But, but, but what we have to look is, is this, 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 um, this canvas in which is being painted here and see what's taking place. Because the, the whole argument of uh, the, the book of, of Galatians, this letter to the church of Galatia, is, is a defense of the gospel. So if it's a defense of the gospel, and, we, and we've explained it as, as the, um, uh, the, 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 the truth of the gospel of grace, right? Because we are to live free under the gospel of grace. We are no longer to be held bondage by, by legalism. And, and so we see this picture here uh, uh, of Paul confronting Peter, and he's saying, listen, when you divide people and say that there's different classes of Christians, you're just as guilty as the Judaizers. You're just as guilty as someone who's going to say you need circumcision if you want to really love Jesus. Now, when, by denying um, their, the, the actions or by denying their actions, the truth of, uh, or I should say, by denying the action of the truth of the gospel, and, and that's exactly what, what, what he was doing here, is that... Um, He's essentially saying that like, there, there, there's more to uh, salvation than just the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That I, Not only do you have to, to believe that, you've got to isolate yourself from other people. Now when I say that, some will have, there's going to be a couple different crowds here. That one will say, well, wait a second. We're, we're to be, I don't think that that's right because we're, we're not supposed to, to, to separate ourselves from the world because we need to reach the world. And then others gonna, people are going to be like, well, yeah, but there are some really bad people out there. That, you know, bad company corrupts good morals. There's a balance in which we need to have to be able to reach those that we love. And, and, I, and I'll just say it that way. Because I, I think that what, what, what is happening here is that it's not as if Peter w- w- was trying to reach these, these, these people groups. What Peter was doing is he was just not acting out the beliefs in which he claimed he had. Now, why, why do we stress this? Why do I stress this? It's because if a pillar of the church, and if you look back into uh, um, chapter 2, it says that, that Cephas was a pillar, Peter was a pillar of the church. If a pillar of the church can fall into an act of hypocrisy here, why would any, and when I say the church, I'm saying the early church, the dude that walked with Jesus fell into this. Why in the world would we not be on guard then so that we don't fall into hypocrisy? Because we're just as prone, if not more, to that. And again, I don't think that anybody here wants to fall into hypocrisy. They don't wake up in the morning like we've talked in the past, like, I'm going to wake up and be a legalist, or I'm going to wake up and be a hypocrite. We don't wake up and say that, but we may wake up and act that. And that's what's taking place here. But what is also interesting to me is that Peter's hypocrisy did not stop with Peter alone. Did you notice that it says... That not only was it Peter, was it Cephas, but Barnabas fell into it. Who's Barnabas? Barnabas was like Paul's right-hand man. He went on missionary, uh, the, the first missionary journey with Paul. He's seen God do some crazy, amazing things. 
Well, mind you, Peter had already had dinner with Cornelius. If you look back to Acts 10, we won't go there. But he already had dinner with Cornelius, and God has already told him, don't call unclean that which I'm calling clean. God had already broken down the barriers and told Peter clearly, this is the way in which you're supposed to act. This is what you're supposed to do. And he still stumbled a little bit here. And when he stumbled, and this hypocrisy crept in, because it does, it creeps in a little bit. It's not, I don't think that it, it's a one and done thing. It's a, it's a creeping in. And I think this is why, why um, we're told to, to guard our hearts. To guard our hearts is something that we continually have to do. But when hypocrisy creeps in, it influences those that are around you. Especially if, the, if you're the one that goes to church in your group. Because I, 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 here's the deal. I know you all hang out with sinners. Because you all are, are some, right? Come on now, people. I, what, what I'm saying is there are people that around you that are in your circles. Some of you may not have a circle. You're a hermit. I don't know. But there are people that are around you that are in your circles that do not go to church. And the only quote-unquote church that they get is what they see in you. The only I heard a, an old guy say one time that the only Bible that some people read is the, that in which they see in, another, in a Christian. Is that right? No, no, it's not right. But I, I think it's important that if, if we, as believers in Jesus Christ are going to be able to share the good news of Jesus, people are going to have to be able to see that in our lives, right? It, it, it kind of, and this is, again, this is off, off the, the edge of my brain here. I'm thinking about, uh, I think it, it was Lot, when Lot uh, was to, to flee Sodom and Gomorrah, when God was going to rain down uh, fire from heaven in judgment. And Lot went to his sons-in-law and said to, to, to them, hey, we got to get out of here because God's going to judge this place. And they laughed at him because they looked at him and like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, you're in, as guilty as we are of all of this. And I think that, that, that when we look at hypocrisy, what we don't want to do is we don't want, to, we don't want others to fall into uh, um, um, our own, our hypocrisy. And I would ask this question, how many people, and I did, I wrote this down, who are you potentially leading astray because of your hypocrisy? I mean, I, I, this is not a get you down to the dumps message. This is actually quite the opposite. What this is to do is like, are there areas in your life that you're just being a hypocrite? And you think like, yeah, it's okay. I can do what I want. I'm not really influencing anybody. I'm sure Peter did not set out to, to think that he was going to influence Barnabas and, the, and the, the rest of the Jews there. But it happened. Hypocrisy has a, has a, a tendency to, to spread. So I, I think that, that we need to be aware of this. Like we, we need to be checking, okay, I say that I believe this. Do my actions support my beliefs? Now again, like, like, like Kurt said even this morning, that, that it's not that we're earn, trying to earn God's favor. Or we're not trying to earn God's pleasure, but we are to live a life that is pleasing to God. And he, he makes it clear, this is, this is what I want from you. And what, what, what's going on here is Peter is going against the very gospel in which he is proclaiming that there's no longer Jew or Gentile, there's no longer male or female, there's no longer slave or free, but we're all one in Christ Jesus. 
and, and it's being brought to, 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 to head here. As I'm looking at this, I'm like, well, if hypocrisy wasn't something he woke up and said he wanted to do, what was the cause of this? And as I'm looking at this, I, I look and I think, you know what? The cause of his hypocrisy is really the cause of most of our hypocrisy. It's fear of man. This is a fear of man issue. Now, when I say fear of man, I, I want to put a disclaimer here um, because when, when we talk about fear of man, fear of man rests upon the apprehension of, of, of the power of man to hurt us, right? Someone to hurt you. The apprehension, the anxiety over somebody that can hurt you. Now, some people would say, well, I don't have a fear of man. Well, just hold on a second because there are some that, 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 that would say, I don't have a fear of man. I don't care what people say to, to me or I don't care what people say about me. One, I would say liar, but because at, at some level, there's always something where you're, you're aware and you're sensitive to what people say or do or act or how they feel, all that stuff. But there are some who would, they would say, I don't have that fear of man issue. And okay, maybe, maybe you don't deal with it as much as other people, but don't make that fear of man issue into stupidity or a license to be stupid and just say, well, I don't care what people think of me. Don't hear the pendulum or don't see the pendulum swing that, that, that far because I think that's the tendency in which we have, is especially when we start talking about fear of man. We try to be tough guys or tough gals, and I don't really care what people say about me. I'm not, I, 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 I don't think that that's true, one. But what happens is when you have that mentality or that mindset, you fall into an arrogant stupidity, and, and you just kind of disregard the world around you, and you just do your own thing. So maybe you don't care about what people think of, about you is because you're so dang selfish. You don't see other people around you. So don't let it, and I'm not trying to talk you into fear of man. Please don't hear that either. What I'm, I, I'm saying is there has to be a, 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 healthy, a healthy balance in this. Because we have to not fear man in the sense that they can hurt us, but we have to be aware of the way in which we are perceived by others so that we can display God's glory. Big difference, right? So when we're talking about this fear of man issue, I think that it could be presented in multiple areas of our lives, but the area in which I want to talk about today is what we're going to focus on is like beliefs and spiritual matter, all right? Spiritual matters, I should say. So when we're talking about, and what do I mean? Like, you come to church and you say this, but how is that? How are you interacting with people around you? Is, 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 are, are, your, are your actions living up to your beliefs or what, what it is that you're, you're, you're claiming? So in, in areas of the spiritual matters or of beliefs, because too often our first thought is what, what will others say? What are others going to say of me? Rather than what is God going to say of me? If Peter would have stopped for a moment and thought that thought, when he started to slide into this division here, he would have not worried about what the others were going to say. And here's, here's the crazy part about the whole thing. There is no indication that there was any kind of controversy before this. As if when they came, the, Jew, the Jewish Christians came, that they told Peter that he had to separate. Peter kind of imposed this on himself. 
And as he imposed this on himself, he drew people away. I think there's a lot of of that 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 we overthink a lot of things sometimes. When we overthink it, we're like, I'm doing what I think is right. And how many people are we dragging into that hypocrisy? Because you're just like, you're you're, you're not thinking this through. You're thinking about what, what George is going to say about you instead of what God is going to say about you. I think that when we pay more attention to the reactions and expectations of man rather than the truth of God, we're in trouble. So, so hear that, the reactions and expectations of man. When we pay more attention to the reactions and expectations of man and not to the truth of God, that's where we're going to get in trouble. If Peter would have stopped and, and, and again and, and would have grounded himself in the truth of God, knowing that the gospel says, wait a second, there are no divisions here. But instead, his expectations... Now, what are expectations? Those are things that, that, that most of the time we impose unrealistic expectations. If, if we're going to be honest, there's a lot of times what, we, what happens is we put these unrealistic expectations on ourselves and those around us, and then people don't live up to them or we don't live up to them, and then we're all, you know, oh, pff, everything's for loss now. Well, it's because we're putting so much, so much uh, stock into uh, others' expectations and, and the way in which they view us, their reactions, that we're not, we're not focusing on the truth of what God has already said or what God is doing. And that is what gets us in trouble. That's what, what got Peter in trouble here. He thought in his mind, because again, it doesn't say this in the text, he thought in his mind, oh, wait a second, these are Jews from Christ, for, or Jewish Christians from, from Jerusalem, and you know what? I've been hanging out with the Gentiles. I don't want them to think this, so maybe I just need to kind of, uh, because they're gonna, they might think this, and they might not. I'm supposed to be a pillar in the church, and they may not want to follow me anymore because I'm... Do- he had, all of this he conjured up in his mind. Anybody ever do that? Conjure up a situation in your mind that ain't reality? And then when it does never happen, but you're, you're like, well, I prepared for it. Yeah, but you wasted a whole bunch of energy and caused damage in, 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 in the process. Yeah, only a couple of us are, are, are guilty of that, right? I had to put up two hands, right? Sometimes that happens. And this is what's going on here. These expectations, what's going to happen? What are they going to say of me? The fact is, when a believer... And I say a believer in Jesus Christ. When a believer starts making compromises, because that's what was taking place, when a believer starts making compromises with the world's way of thinking, because that's exactly what Peter was doing. He was thinking, he was not thinking through this in God's perspective. He was thinking through this on what are outside people going to think. When, when a believer starts making compromises with the world's way of thinking, they lose focus on God's perspective. So when you're, when you're worried about and you're making compromise, and when I'm saying compromise, remember, we're talking about beliefs. We're talking about what, 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 what God says is true. If we're, if we're focusing on and saying, well, you know, that whole, the whole homosexuality thing or the whole gender neutrality or the whole, you know, whatever. You can put the whole abortion thing. The whole, you know, I'm not a political guy, but when you put all of this in here and we start thinking of things that are what the world is saying and what the world is doing and we're not putting this through the filter of God's Word, what we can do is we can lose focus on what God has said, what God has done, and what God wants. 
So I, I think that we, we need to make sure that we, we take a step back. We don't fear man. We don't fear that, wait a second though, Lee, I believe, I, I, I believe, I, so I'll, I'll tell you this, I believe abortion is wrong, okay? You can, you can throw rocks at me later, but if somebody comes up to me that, that I love and says, you know what, Lee, you're wrong for thinking that. No, no, I'm not going to compromise my belief because of, of, of an interaction of the way in which the, the world thinks about that. Now, I mean, I, I guess that there, there, there are other instances, and y'all can, you can come up with, with many more like that. But what, what I think that is true is what we do is if we compromise on the truths of God's Word, that just starts to eat away at everything that we have. So I, I, I like what, what Spurgeon says about the fear of man. And I think that the fear of man is really, I don't want to say it's the root of all this evil, but it is definitely down deep that has, um, that, that, it, that, that the fear of man manifests itself in many different sins in your life and my life. And, and I love what Spurgeon says. He says this. There it is. Fear of man deadens conscience, distracts meditation, hinders holy activity, stops the mouth of testimony, and paralyzes the Christian's power. I mean, just think about that. The fear of man, it deadens conscience, distracts meditation, hinders holy activity, stops the mouth of testimony, and paralyzes the Christian's power. How many, how many things have you not done that you know that God wants you to do, but you're afraid to do it because Johnny is going to think this of you or that of you? Or you haven't had that conversation with that loved one, or you haven't said this because, well, what, are, what, what are they going to say? They might, they might not like me anymore. Fear, fear of man. How, ma- how, how many? I mean, and everybody in here is thinking of something right now. I know it. Uh, and and, and, I, and I, as, I, as I think about this, I, I want you to know, you're not alone. Peter had the fear of man and he, he fell for it. But just because he fell for it, doesn't mean that all was lost. Now, if I were, were, were to say, oh, okay, let's pray and let, let, let's go, and it would be probably a, a pretty depressing sermon. But I love how because of the bridge in which Paul had with Peter, he was able to come to him and face to face. He didn't do it via text message. He didn't do it through a phone call. He didn't do it through Facebook. He didn't do it through a friend. He didn't do it through a pigeon or whatever. It says, I opposed him face to face. I confronted him face to face. But what he confronted him with was not his own opinion. And, and, and when we're talking about the fear of man, because that, that was one of the, the questions in which I had as I was dealing with this this week. is like, okay, I can talk about hypocrisy and I can talk about fear of man, but if I just talk about that, we can like, all right, what am I supposed to do now? Well, the text shows us that the application process or the confrontation uh, piece of this is a presentation of the gospel. So, so look with me. Look when it says here, verse 4, 14, but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with what? With the truth of the gospel. Now, why? Okay, what's important about that? Paul did not come there and say, well, I think it should be this way. My opinion is this. 
No, he came and he presented to Peter, he's saying, you're not in line with the truth of the gospel. And like I've already said, the truth of the gospel here is that there are no longer Jews and Gentiles, slaves and free. There is one in God. There is one body. There is one member in Christ. We have all one body. So he's saying here, the confrontation that like, Peter, you got to get this together. It was, hey, because we're one in Christ. And because we're one in Christ, what you're doing here, what you're communicating, it's wrong. Now, again, I don't think anybody in here is going to want to go and communicate heresy or anything else like that. But how many times do we isolate or alienate people in our lives because they just, well, they just don't, they don't think the way in which I think. And let's just talk about believers. Let's just talk about Christians. I mean, there are seven different churches within a five-mile radius of this building right here. Now, I don't hate any of those, those people, but I think that, that what needs to happen is that, we, that, that they and we need to understand that there's one body in Christ. And because there's one body, there's no longer Jews, and there's no longer Gentiles, but we're one people. And that's what Paul's telling him here. And I love this because it makes me, it reminds me of one of my favorites, one of my favorite Proverbs, Proverbs 27, verse 6. Because this is a perfect example of this proverb. It says, Faithful are the word, or I'm sorry, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Paul was not coming to Peter to beat him down. Paul was coming to Peter to say, dude, you got it wrong. You know better. And that's why I can't wait till next week in, in, in the, the continuing on of this, this conversation in which uh, Paul had with Peter. But Paul here is telling Peter, you know better than this. You know what the truth of the gospel is. And he confronts him with the truth of the gospel, the one gospel. Remember, there's only one gospel. There's not many gospels. So when we're, we're talking about how do I deal with the, the fear of man issues, we have to deal with it through the lens of the gospel. What's the gospel? The good news of God's redemptive plan for sinful humanity. Right! So if we're, if we're viewing, well, what about what this person is going to say about me or what this person is going to say about me? What does God say about you first? Because I remember this dude saying this one time in this book I read that don't fear the one who can kill the body, but fear the one who can send, it to send your soul to hell. Dude was Jesus. The book was the Bible. I think it was in Matthew, actually. We put too much stock in fearing the physical when we need to pay attention and care what God has to say first. So what does God say? He says, I love the world so much that I sent my son for you. He says, my son shed his blood for you so that you can be with me, so that the penalty of sin can be, can be covered, can be atoned for, can be washed away. That's the truth of the gospel. So when we're looking at Oh, but, but, but that's not what, what my friends at work are going to be. You know, they're, they're not going to respond. Well, okay, yeah, they're probably not going to respond well to, to, to that. Because if they don't believe that, 
The Bible says that the cross of Christ is folly to those who are perishing. What we have to understand, though, is if we're going to live a life that is um, not in hypocrisy and not in the fear of, of, of man, we have to live a life that we understand what the gospel is. And we have to have what I call, and you've heard me say this before, but what, what we're going to term today as a gospel-centric perspective. Big hyphenated word, but all that means is we have to have a perspective with the gospel in the middle. So when, whenever we do anything, we're, we're, we're looking at, okay, what does the, the, the truth of the gospel say about this situation? So if the confrontation, as it was here, Paul looked and he said, because the gospel is central, this is how I'm going to confront my brother here. Two things and I'm done. A gospel-centric perspective, two things. One, it provides the proper outlook for dealing with the world around us. So it, 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 it provides the proper outlook for dealing with the world around us. If, if Peter would have stopped, remembered the gospel, and you've, you've heard me say this before, and I, I still believe this, I think we all should, I think we should preach the gospel to ourselves daily. Because as we're looking here at this confrontation, uh, one of the things that, that, that I want to make sure that we, we, we don't do is that we don't go around confronting all of our brothers and sisters saying, oh, you're not living by the gospel. Oh, you're being a hypocrite. Oh, uh, can that happen? Yeah, everybody can do that to everybody in here at some point or another. But let's start with ourselves. Take the speck out of your own eye before you try, go try to take the log out of your brother's eye. Understand that, that, that we need to have a, a proper perspective, this gospel-centered, per, gospel-centric perspective so that we have this proper outlook at the world around us. How do we deal with? Now, again, I'm not going to get into political issues. I'm not, I'll, I'll give you some examples. How do we deal with uh, the homosexuality? How do we deal with abortion? How do we deal with the wall? Right? Trump's wall. Or how do we deal with the government? Or how do we deal with, you know, whatever? How do you deal with that? It, it, it all comes down to the filter in which you use. And if, 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 if Christ and the gospel is at the center of it all, you're going to deal with things differently than the world deals with them. That it's all around you. So it, it, it's intended to be a way of life. A, a gospel-centric perspective is to be a way of life. The way in which you do it. This is the, the, and, I, and I love, I'm on a, on a Dietrich Bonhoeffer kick right now, and he, he wrote the, the cost of discipleship. And, and to, to be a disciple of, of Christ is, is not what the American um, society ha, ha, or even the American church has painted it to be. The cost of discipleship is, is the willingness to sacrifice all. Because Christ sacrificed all for us. Why in the world, in return, why wouldn't we sacrifice all for him? But that's, that's, not, that's, that's, that's not the American dream. That's not the, I'm not saying that you, you all go Francis Chan on us and sell everything. Love Francis Chan, by the way. Don't, don't get me wrong. But we, don't, we, don't, we don't sell everything, and if you really love Jesus, you'll, you'll be poor. No, no, not, not, not saying that. But what I'm saying, though, is don't hold on to anything more than you hold on to Christ. And that's, that, that, that's it. So having a gospel-centric um, perspective is understanding that that's the way of life. And the second thing, the final thing, 
is a gospel-centric perspective is necessary, is necessary to communicate God's love and hope for this life. If we don't have a gospel-centric perspective, we cannot communicate God's love properly. It's not just a belief. This is not just a belief. This is a motive for action. Understanding that, that what, what Christ has done and understanding like Paul is, is combating, he's coming to his friend and he's saying, dude, you got it wrong. Notice where, where it says there as well in verse 14, I said to Cephas, where? Before them all. So this was not, okay, hey, hey, Peter, come here. Let's come here. I, I, I need to talk to you. Take him over in a corner. Paul addressed his friend in love in front of everybody because the impact of what the message was was paramount. Because at this point, he, w- he was leading astray this whole church and they had to get it back on track. And when he came to him and he says, you're doing this wrong, and the gospel says this. Next week we're going to see how he continues on with the remembrance of, it's, remember what, what, what has taken place. Remember the power. I, 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 would, I would go to the extent where um, Paul would even say to, to him, it doesn't say this in my own speculation here, it's like, Peter... Remember the mighty works that God has done through you to the Gentile people. Look at the mighty works that God has done through you to the Jewish people. You remember that blind or that, that I'm sorry, that lame beggar that, that you, you healed outside of the temple gate through the power of God? You remember that wasn't you. He was a Jew. Well, now you're saying just remember. Remember where you've come from. And remember what he's done. So that's, my, that's my, my, my call to worship for us all today, is let's not fall in hypocrisy, which is a form of legalism. Let's live free under the gospel of grace, knowing that we don't earn God's favor. It's freely given to us, but because it's freely given to us, we need to operate with inside of it. So let's pray. Our Father God, we do thank you. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that as we've talked about uh, you know, some tough things about hypocrisy and fear of man and um, how, that is, how, how that is real, even today. I mean, really, I mean, maybe more today than ever, but I don't know. I, I know that, that even on a personal level that um, that, that fear of man it can easily creep in. So God, I, I pray that, that we can uh, understand that we don't want to fall into hypocrisy. We don't want to give in to the fear of man. We need to be aware of, of what's going on. But God, we understand that we have to keep the gospel at the center of it all. Because it's your good news of what you have done for all of us. And that we are all one people that will be with you one day for eternity. So God, I ask that, that we can just wrap our heads around that, that we can, <clears throat> excuse me, we can operate with inside that, and that we can bring you glory. And pray it's in your name, Jesus. Amen.